0: and welcome to Conversations with Doc Martin. This video series focuses on extraordinary people doing extraordinary things. And today is certainly no exception because we're joined by Lily Carell. Lily is a Fortune five healthcare executive and licensed counselor, a dedicated champion of patient-centered solutions within the healthcare industry. She's spoken to crowds of thousands about the patient experience and has been featured by Open Minds, Mental Health America and the National Association of State Mental Health Program Directors. In addition to her corporate experience, Lily saw clients in clinical practice for nearly 20 years and is a certified clinical trauma provider, continuing to increase her trauma expertise in the research and clinical intervention. There's a lot to say for studied and proven approaches, but Lily takes it one step further with her lived experience and success in cultivating approaches to draw out the very best in herself and others. Lily offers powerful lessons that can help anyone rise above their circumstances and create their own unlimited success. So Lily, welcome to you. Thank you. So glad to be here. Yeah. Super excited to have you. I, there's so much to unpack. I want to talk about your book. I want to talk about your background and, and what, you know, why now is, is the question I typically ask authors, but, um, you know, we, we, we kind of went through your, your bio and I. You know, I, I think the viewers would kind of be interested in terms of, you know, how and or why you got into your area of expertise to begin with.
1: Sure. Um, actually, I was a little hesitant to get into my area of expertise. Um, I think I I kind of was avoidant of the clinical arena mm-hmm. because of my own personal experiences. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be that clinician that was working out their own issues in sure. the therapeutic process for somebody else. Yeah. But um, as I finished up my undergraduate degree in speech and hearing sciences, I was fairly clear that isn't what I wanted to do. And so mm-hmm. I actually took some career tests and there was just no denying that I am a clinician through and through, probably in my innate being. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just decided to go ahead and start studying psychology and and starting to pursue um the clinical field. And, and honestly, I think when you step into that space, you probably found this with your own studies mm-hmm. of that aligned with you, your grades yeah. soar. Yeah,
0: absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. I
1: just, uh, I just felt like I was at home. I felt like the people that I was around were, you know, family, it just yep. was right. And so yeah. I continued on my studies.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you have just published a book resolve to rise, uh, which is a fantastic read. It's, you know, it's a very open and honest uh, tale uh, of, you know, the your own life and your own trials and tribulations and, and it gives amazing and useful tools to the reader. Um, and we'll, we'll certainly get to your book. And, you know, I just was kind of curious, you know, you talked about not wanting to bring your own, uh, uh, if I may be so bold, background or history or baggage, whatever words people want to use into um, that clinical arena when, when you were thinking about even just the concept of writing a book and putting everything out there, you know, what was going through your head?
1: I think what I have found both personally and what I've seen professionally mm-hmm. with clients and, and individuals is this sense of being um, broken okay. and um, irreparable. And I wanted to create a message for people after I had some, not just lived experience with the trauma, Mm -hmm. but lived experience with success and the ways that we often define success Mm -hmm. in our culture to say that you are not disqualified because Mm -hmm. you've gone through trauma and that there is hope and there is something out there for you to claim. Mm -hmm. I find a lot of the, books out there that are extremely informative wonderful Mm -hmm. there's kind of a degree of separation between the writer and the reader Mm -hmm. and I wanted to just break down the walls of separation and speak as one human being Mm -hmm. to another human being about Mm -hmm. living out your possibilities and your dreams and
0: you know being your best self absolutely well you know it's it's amazing that that was your intention. And that was your, you very much succeeded in that because I, I have to tell you from like the second page in, I felt like I was just talking to you. And, mm-hmm. you know, we had our first initial conversation right around the time I started reading the book. And, you know, I read a lot of books and it's, it, that is so hard to do as an author. And, you know, when I was reading your book and uh, you were talking about, you know, the concept of trauma. And I was thinking about, you know, my own life. And, you know, even what I most recently experienced in, in Mexico, where, you know, there was this uh, drug cartel gun shootout, and, you know, people were running for their lives. And, and frankly, you know, in the beginning of it, we didn't know it was a, it was a drug cartel shootout, we actually thought they were targeting us as an LGBT uh, vacation. And so we very much felt like, oh, my gosh, what, you know, what's going to happen. And so, you know what you talk about in your book is that you know many people you know either don't understand trauma or what trauma is or define trauma in their own way so for you what what is what is trauma for you from a professional perspective
1: um, and that's an excellent question I, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding out there in terms of what is trauma
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and really equating trauma to an event that's Mm -hmm. occurred rather than a person's response to the event. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So a person's response to the event, if you have a sense that like you did in Mexico, Mm -hmm. your life is in danger, then you've experienced a trauma because you, your body's going to go into a fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. And, and what happens to you gets consumed in your body. Mm -hmm. And if you're not able to discharge it, you carry it with me with you. So if you run into a certain circumstance, that's familiar to, to you reminding you of that. And then Mm -hmm. you notice that you're tensing up and you're stressed Mm -hmm. out and you're sweating Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you're not really sure what happened. That can often happen because Mm -hmm. of an event that was experienced that was traumatic. And, you know, we know oftentimes people experience abuse as traumatic. Now, was their life at risk? Who knows? Did they perceive that their life was at risk? That's, That's the question. And then beyond that, having a situation that is emotionally too difficult to navigate. And so Mm -hmm. you literally shut down. So people who are being sexually abused oftentimes will say they focused in on an inanimate object. It might be Mm -hmm. a light fixture or a doorknob or something to kind of disconnect from Mm -hmm. the experience because the experience was too emotional. Mm-hmm. to deal with so they had to kind of split off yeah. that would be indicative of a traumatic event yeah. and so for that person that is trauma
0: mm-hmm. yeah it, it was I was so I mean just personally connecting with in in particular that's what really sucked me in in the in the beginning um you know even over and above your writing style which we were just talking about because you, you were talking about all these like significant life changes and how people have you know kind of trouble dealing with them and you know i have to say that uh when i became disabled from dentistry and then we had to move from you know maryland to florida never thinking we would be moving to that degree years later i was talking to a therapist and he was like well you know, how have you dealt with this trauma? And I looked at him, and I was like, what, what do you mean trauma? And, you know, he kind of laid it out. And he was like, well, think about what you experienced, you know, your entire life was upended, your profession was turned around, et cetera, et cetera. And it was so affirming and, and eye-opening mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, that's what it is. And and then that explained a lot of other behaviors and things that happened in my life and the way I reacted and, and those kind of things. And so, you know, when we, when we think about how people react, you were talking about, you know, how, how people's bodies react and so forth. Um, you know, as, as we're getting over the hump, let's hope of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, there's lot, there seems to be evidence of, of trauma everywhere and for people. And, um, what, what are some of the things that have stuck out most for you that are most concerning for you? Relative to people's dealing with the pandemic and and how that might be affecting them.
1: One of the things that, um, seems to often come with Mm. any kind of serious trauma is substance use. Mm. And, um, you'd almost have to be living under a stone, not to have heard that like alcohol purchases are way up. Yep. And I literally was just reading today, um, mm-hmm. an article that came through my inbox about opioid deaths, or I think it was opioid related overdoses mm-hmm. were up 29% Wow! from the prior year.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
1: so, and then suicide,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we're hearing more and more, uh, suicide and the social isolation and, um, I I think there's so there's all of those things and then there is this felt sense I think we all have on some some level some people more than others of like when you start re-emerging how do we re-engage with each other you know what I mean like yeah it's like we're almost like it's like you haven't seen a friend for a really long time and you're kind of socially awkward with him Mm -hmm. because you're like not even sure like how to engage um And so I think, again, the whole reason for my book was to say what you're feeling, what you're experiencing is normal. Mm
2: -hmm. That
1: whole idea um, of a normal reaction to an abnormal situation is abnormal. So if you act like you always do in any given day, when something horrendous is happening, that's actually, that's abnormal. Mm. And I, I think it's important for people to understand that there are impacts and to start to look at what do those impacts look like so I can recognize them and know that I'm going to be okay, mm-hmm. that I'm going to be able to come out on the other side. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be really, really important. And a lot of those things, I mean, it was like, as I looked at stress and I looked at what are the reactions that people have to stress, what are the reactions that ha- people have to horrible life incidents? Like you said, the list of you know all mm-hmm. of these things that happen mm-hmm. in people's lives all the time. Yeah. And then what are the what are the symptoms of of then trauma? And they're really the same symptoms. It's just the degree of severity of the symptoms. Mm-hmm. And so I think what I've heard a lot in feedback about the book. Already is people saying I I saw the list of symptoms in lots of other books, but I never quite knew if they applied to me until I heard your yeah. story. Yeah. And when you showed your embodiment of these symptoms, I said, "Oh, I, I've had those symptoms."
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I
1: understand that, and so yeah. I'm okay because I'm not alone. This is normal. Yeah. This is a normal reaction to yeah. an abnormal situation. Yeah, I think. I think we have to really help people understand what normal is in this
0: mm-hmm. abnormal experience that we're coming through and out of. Sure. Absolutely. And, you know, um, I'm certainly, uh, I'm not even remotely in your field. And and for me as an observer, somebody who, who really enjoys the behavioral sciences, I, I found this um, lack of adherence to scientific fact Mm -hmm. very fascinating to me Um, on an academic level not a not a reality level just the the literal um disconnect between because i've literally had this conversation with certain people where i've said to them something to the effect of so the last time you went to your doctor you came in with a certain number of symptoms he or she diagnosed you, gave you a prescription. Did you go ahead and fill it? Well, yeah. Well, why? Because they're the doctor. Uh, okay. So, why isn't this any different? And so, whether you're talking about vaccines or masks or whatnot, what observations have you made about individuals that are, you know, let's just say anti mask or anti vax relative to a tra- trauma response that people are going through? I, you know,
1: I think we're in a, I want to say a political crisis right now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that we've lost trust in each other. Yeah. Fundamentally.
2: Yeah.
1: And so when I run across people who say, you know, I'm not going to get vaccinated and I say, well, help me understand, you know, what, um, it comes down to fundamental trust. Yep. Yeah. Am I being misled? Yep. Yeah. Um, and that we have to repair that. Yeah. We have to learn how to listen to each other and hear about like, why are the people who don't want to be vaccinated, not getting vaccinated? Why are yep. the people who don't want to wear masks, not wearing masks? Yep. If if I'm sitting with somebody who doesn't want to wear a mask and I say, hey, I have MS and I have mm-hmm. to go get this, um, you know, infusion and I'm nuking my immune system, would mm-hmm. you mind wearing a mask while we're together? Most people are going to do it mm-hmm. because they care about me.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: and what we've lost is a sense of connection with each other. Yeah, I think yeah. to care and to share this land that we've been given
2: mm-hmm. in our
1: country, to honor and regard the differences.
2: Yeah,
1: and and build trust. So I I personally I would say Democrat Republican I don't know I'm a simpleton.
2: Yeah,
1: I think mm-hmm. we all share land. Yeah. And so let's regard each other and figure out, yeah. like, if you want to carry a gun and I want to marry a woman, then let's make space for that, for each other mm-hmm. and figure out how we can do that in a way that feels safe. Yeah. And, you know, that we can agree to. I, I just mm-hmm. I think I, I I feel like we've we've lost track of some of the most. um foundational items of why we're here. You know, when you go back to the preamble of the constitution, it's really quite moving. Mm-hmm.
2: And Absolutely.
1: I think we've just disconnected from being a bunch of people who came over on a boat to, you know,
0: yep.
1: to establish a new way of being and a freedom from at that point, I think the Catholic church and the mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: um you know, and so we ha- we've lost track of being able to celebrate the differences. I think yeah. and trust each other. And- yeah,
0: absolutely. And and you know, along along those lines, just the the caring and trust for one another, you know, is extending. Or let me say, in contrast to the concept of you're impinging on my freedoms, it's like well, while at the same time, although on the surface that may be true, but if we look at the science and the reality that you know, you can give me something that could kill me. Like how is your freedoms to make a choice that could end up killing me the right thing to do. And so it's, I I like what you said. We've lost this fundamental trust and this connection to humanity to, to take care as the phrase goes, your fellow man or fellow woman, of course. Well, there's
1: people who are honestly, they're terrified. Yeah. And, and they were when they were abused in their family of origin, they didn't have a choice. Mm -hmm. And now they're being told by their employer that they have to get vaccinated. Well, that feels like being re traumatized, Mm -hmm. because I'm having my choice taken away from me.
2: Okay, and I'm
1: terrified of doing that. And Mm -hmm. that's not being regarded. So it's so in terms of like, what you were asking about, like, how does that connect in with the trauma, I think it actually does in ways we don't even understand. And if we were listening to each other and mm-hmm. hearing each other and building trust, we might be able to find a way to a solution.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I I say that as if it's some simple thing to do. And I am certainly not saying sure. that, but sure. anyway, I do think that there is, I do think trauma plays in to it and not just the trauma of going through COVID, but the trauma lived experiences. Trauma mm-hmm. is common. Yeah. Unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it, it, the more we look around, the more we see it. Like anything else in life, and so when we talk about, you know, trauma being common, we've you know alluded a little bit to your story here and there. And certainly, we 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 um, you know I want people to go ahead and read the book and read your story in detail, of course. But could you kind of give us a little window in, into kind of your story and how this kind of ended up developing? Not not just for you pursuing uh, uh, your own career, but in writing the book, but just you as a human being in general, uh, your story.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, when I was a, a child going through, um, you know, kind of one traumatic event after the other, I learned fairly young, probably before I can even remember to dissociate mm-hmm. to, um, and to diminish what was, what I was experiencing. My father helped me somewhat with that and minimizing it. Cause I think it was too much for him to really absorb. Mm-hmm. um, And I was pretty good at keeping this positive, you know, Mm -hmm. until I got into about junior high and in junior high, I, it was really hard for me to continue Mm -hmm. to dissociate. And I was getting, um, really unhappy and self-loathing and, um, just, it was just a really hard time. I mean, junior high is hard for everyone.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's true.
1: Maybe it's traumatic. I don't know. (laughs) But I just kind of decided to throw my my birds up to the world and say, I'm going to drink and I'm going to party and sex. And because if I drank and if I used, you know, marijuana or whatever was offered to me, then I didn't have to feel and I -hmm. I wasn't prepared to do that. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I was 16, my father was in 12 step recovery, I went ahead and I had been going to these Alateen meetings and basically lying through my teeth. And I just decided, I think I want what they have. And I think I don't want what I have.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I don't feel good. This is not the person I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started to do that and started to really kind of seek out um, being kind of present with myself mm-hmm as the 12 step program likes to say, taking life on life's terms. Mm
2: -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. And, um, around that time, I used to have songs that I said, these are, this is my song with God. And my song with God was you needed me
2: Mm -hmm.
1: at 16. And I really believed at that point that my life was being redeemed, that I was getting a second chance and that I was going to share at some point it took 35 years, but <laughs> yeah. I really believed that. And it kept coming to me that that was something I was going to do. And mm-hmm. I got clearer and clearer that I was going to write a book and that I wanted to do inspirational speaking and, um, and that God had equipped me with a few things that would really make that a possibility. Mm-hmm. And that was that I was courageous. I would share mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with people if I thought it was going to benefit them. hmm and that I could articulate my internal experience fairly well because people were repeatedly telling me, wow, I've, all, I've always felt that way, but I never quite knew how to say it. That's exactly how I feel. And I kept getting that feedback. And um, and then I had this sense that I need to grow in the corporate environment. So there's some level of credibility.
2: And mm-hmm.
1: when I do finally share that mm-hmm. people can't like at, At some level in their corporate experience, say, Oh, well, that's that doesn't apply to me because I have this success. Or Mm -hmm. so it was like I was breaking down over time these barriers that people put up to say, well, that's different than me. So that I would eventually then share my story Mm -hmm. and and not just share my story, but share tools and help equip people in their story, understanding that my story wasn't as unique as I once had thought it was. And I wasn't as shameful and Mm -hmm. detestable as I thought I was. Mm -hmm. And they aren't either, that reader, that person who is reading it. So it was really like 2019, December, when my friend said, after I read her a little journal excerpt, she said, oh my gosh, Lily, you should write a book. And for whatever reason at that moment, I felt like it was time. Mm -hmm. And then of course COVID hit and I was like, holy moly, it's time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's no way you can like know that. that. And so I'm like, yeah, it's definitely time. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. really like my life as it was culminating. I knew I wanted to do something bold and I wanted to, to offer hope and a different narrative to people than I was growing up with that kind of kept me stuck. Yeah.
0: It, I'm fascinated because you just used the word stuck and that was actually what was going through my head with people that, you know, they, they, they've ended up navigating their own lives for so many years and, and the, just the, the inertia of their life and their perspective, they just feel like, well, this is my life. This is, you know, my, my normal. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't even realize that there's an alternative possibility that they can pursue. It's kind of like what you said, you know, when you were younger and you were like, I don't think I want this anymore. And so that's a, that's a big leap for some people to have that level of realization to be like, you know, I I don't want to do this anymore. And maybe I don't have to do this anymore. And and so, you know, whether it's, you know, seeking outside resources, reading your book, all those kind of things to, to kind of help people see things differently to be able to move forward. And so it's, it's, it's very courageous for people. I think, uh, a lot of people don't necessarily realize if they haven't had to ask for help before how difficult that first step is. Mm-hmm. Um, the second, third, and five hundredth is a hell of a lot easier than that first one um, because that first one means to to many that you needed to ask, and when you need to ask, that's you know it becomes very empowering, but it also feels very threatening to to a lot of people. And um, I was just kind of curious, it just kind of came to my mind, I hadn't necessarily intended to ask this, but in, in your experience with people and, and taking that first step, like, what have you, you know, what if anything have you observed relative to people's first steps? I mean, we're all common, uh, sorry, excuse me, we're all unique individuals, mm-hmm. yet what, what kind of things have you observed over the years with people taking that first step to to get something different for themselves?
1: When usually you think of the first step is making a phone call to schedule an appointment with a therapist,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: and um, I believe there's research out there that actually shows that the level of hope increases after mm-hmm. you make the phone call before you've had the session, yeah, and that the problem actually gets better,
2: yeah,
1: in between making the phone call yeah. and actually going to the first session. So that's really um, interesting, I think. Absolutely. It, I, I think honestly, the first step for me. It's funny because you were saying the first step's the hardest, and it is that is tr- that has been true for me when it comes to like exercise.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. I'll say, okay, I'm going to start exercising tomorrow, and I'll say that for like 365 days, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and so tomorrow gets pushed <clears throat> out, and that's the hardest. And then once I start exercising, I'm good. I'm going. Yeah. I get some momentum going. In doing therapeutic work. There's this expectation that I'm making progress. I'm making progress, and so and and you are, mm-hmm. but then let's say you get triggered, and now you're feeling all that same anxiety that you used to feel, and mm-hmm. you're th- feeling that self-loathing, and you have that inner critic that's saying, "Look at you! I can't believe you feel this way," or and then you have the rational part of your brain that's saying, "You should be able to react in this way, but you you can't." You mm-hmm. find yourself that continuing to move forward. Is it's like what, what I talk about in the book about that whole base camp
2: mm-hmm.
1: when you're like, son of a bitch, mm-hmm. hope that's okay for me to totally. <laughs> say. Totally. And I have to go all the way back. Are you kidding me? I have to go yeah. all the way back yeah.
0: down. Yeah.
2: And
1: so I think we misunderstand that as we're starting over again. Mm. And, and we're not, because if you remember like the base camp idea is that I went to the first. Right. And now I get to the, go to the second, or I get to go mm-hmm. to the third, or I get to go mm-hmm. to the peak. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's all forward momentum.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think, I think that's harder, the continuation of it. But I mean, initially I think people come in unless they're brought by a spouse and they really don't want
2: to be there, but
1: <laughs> it doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, they come in with a modicum of hope, typically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that that there's help. Um, I just, I, I think I get, I like to caution people, too, that we give, and I think you probably, as a provider yourself, maybe can mm-hmm. appreciate this, we give too much credit to providers. Mm. And so when the help isn't helping, we think that the problem must be with us.
2: Mm. And
1: oftentimes, you know, especially in this situation, it's not, it may not be the right approach. It may not be the right person. They may be great for 25 other people, but they're not great for you. Yep. So I think I would really... I'd really want people to know as they're starting out, you know, to be aware of that. You can fire your therapist. Sure. Absolutely. It's not about the therapist. The therapist, if the therapist is hurt or offended by that, they can go work on that with their own therapist.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. And they should. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, and at least I'm only speaking from my own experience, um, you know, because there, there's tools and then there's chemistry. And, you know, I've, I have a, what I feel is a wonderful bag of tools, yet I had a chemistry challenge that got corrected. And then all of a sudden the tools became so much more effective. Mm
2: -hmm. And,
0: you know, then all of a sudden I started taking off like a rocket ship to kind of be in a place that I wanted to be. And it was such a wonderful thing. And, um, you know, just the recognition for myself that it was like, oh, well, maybe something's not right. Maybe you need some additional, you know, uh, help. And, and I would even say to you, um, coming back from Mexico, going back to this base camp idea, like the first couple of days that I was back, I felt like I had retreated back to some Uh older thought patterns. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, I thought I was through this, like what is happening. Right. Uh And so those, those traumatic experiences, you know, I'm, I'm here to, I'm here to say, yep, you're right. Bring it, bring it back to that base camp. And, and if you have the right support, whatever that may be to help Mm -hmm. you kind of start to go up again, that's, that's where the magic happens. So, um, you know, I think, I think it's like uh, so many, so many things in life where, you know, we assume that it's this linear upward trajectory Mm -hmm. when in fact it's like, you know, life, life is not like that at all. Um, you know, just even talking about the, the, uh, I think you were talking about the statistics of the frequency of traumatic events. And that actually shocked me a bit. Um, And so, could you speak to that a little bit about the, what, what the research shows and what people experience versus what they expect for the traumatic experiences?
1: Yeah. um, Honestly, it shocks me to be honest with you. I, I spent all this time putting all this research out there, 60% of this and, you know, two thirds Mm -hmm. of this and, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, individuals experiencing traumatic events. I, and I, it's hard to consume that information and really buy into it. Mm-hmm. And yet I put a book out there and people are responding to it. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this is really common. Like yeah, I'm, yeah. I've realized that I have made assumptions that certain people in my life did not have traumatic experiences and yeah. I was wrong. Yeah. So Um, so there's that, I think the other thing is, is that there's a lot of confusion around memory, especially when it comes to the, to people on the outside looking in Mm -hmm. that if somebody's memory is fragmented, that, that it, or if they can't remember who, who was there or there's it's spotty or that's common with trauma. That's not Sometimes people say, oh, well, that's, maybe it didn't happen. No, that's common with trauma. And again, it's that um, those coping mechanisms that we all develop to navigate impossible situations Mm -hmm. are very effective during the situation that Mm -hmm. was impossible. Mm -hmm. Now you've come out on the other side and you're continuing to employ these techniques that you've learned
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: and now they're disruptive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, I think that was a really important thing that I wanted to make sure I brought forward was that even therapists, even clinicians mm-hmm. may be quick to say, you know, basically stop being suicidal. I'm not I'm oversimplifying, Sure. right? Do this instead. Mm-hmm. Without understanding, what has being suicidal served for you? Yep. And maybe I know for me, like I would, I'd have something happen, and I'd say, "I'm tapping out. Forget. Mm-hmm. I'm done."
0: Mm-hmm. I like
1: school. My forgot. My dad forgot to pay my tuition at one point. Um, I had to, I lost all of my classes. I had to re-register. I couldn't get into some of my classes. I was so upset that I was having to do this. I just said, forget it. I'm not going back to school. And then I went back and I registered, mm-hmm. but that whole process for me was me putting myself in control.
0: Mm. Yep.
1: And I didn't realize that was what was happening. I just it was later on. I realized, Oh, that's what I do when I feel like I'm not in the driver's seat and if something's yeah. happening at me yeah, or to me that I want to say, Fine, I'm not going to do it. So now I have choice, and then I can say, okay, never mind. I am <laughs>
0: <laughs> absolutely, and then and then that in by itself is the choice. And so uh, it's almost like controlling on two different yeah. ends to make yourself feel better, uh, and
1: yet probably not very functional if you're in a relationship and something now. comes up and it upsets you, and you're like, peace out, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so like and, uh, yeah. and like just kidding, I'm yeah, back.
0: Exactly, exactly. That doesn't
1: work. It's not functional. Yeah, like absolutely. It, it, it helped me navigate and now it is disruptive in my relationship. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think those that's important too to understand that it served a purpose and then it's not because you're defective that you're doing this ridiculous thing that you now see and you go, why do I do that? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It was adaptive and it's what yeah. helped you survive. And you have to respect that. Yeah. And then Absolutely. figure out what do I need to do instead?
0: Yeah. No, I, I think that's that's a wonderful. Bit of insight and in, if I may be so bold advice if you will um and so kind of as, as we kind of wrap up our time together it's been a it's been a real pleasure I I always like to kind of wrap up with my guests with a kind of a more global question based on the the topic if you will and so you know if if yeah if you ran into somebody and you were just chit-chatting with them and the and the subject of, of trauma came up what do you think some of the most important things people need to understand, maybe not necessarily know, but understand about trauma.
1: I, I feel like I'm kind of a broken record a little bit, but um, That's okay. which I guess just reinforces that I focused on the right things. Yes, <laughs>
0: my book. exactly. Um, I,
1: I think again, that it's common, that yep. it's, it's, it's unfortunately it is yep. common. Yep. Um, that it, it changes the brain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can actually see it on a scan Mm -hmm. um and that you can heal from it
2: Mm -hmm.
1: things can improve I think those are probably the three most important things to me
0: yeah I love that and 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 those three things in them by in them by themselves instill hope for the future that you know yes something happened yes it's changed you but yes you can come out the other side and and live your life on your terms in the way that you choose to do so fantastic I think that was absolutely awesome and thank you broken record so (laughs) (laughs) so uh Lily Carell, we want to sincerely thank you for your time we're going to go ahead and put all of uh, the links that you shared with us in the comments below thank you and uh you know I just want to sincerely uh thank everybody for their time and in watching our little chit chat here today and so Uh, Please don't forget to hit subscribe and click notifications so you don't miss out on any of our upcoming uh, interviews with these extraordinary people. And remember, life speaks to you. And if you think it doesn't, you're not listening. Take care, everybody. Thank you, Lily. See you next time. Bye-bye.